Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. We host a show called High Spirits in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. We sure do. Noelle, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight, I am, in the spirit of the holidays, I'm drinking St. Christopher glue wine. It was on sale for $5 at Mariano's. So oh, that sounds awful. I'm sure that this is going to be <laughs> delicious. I mean, I couldn't say no. But no, I mean, I was know. like $5. I'm, and I'm drinking it out of my Chris Kindle Market uh, mug from 2008. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. I wasn't even born yet. Mm-mm. Uh, that was the last time it was enjoyable for me to go there without having to, like, climb through the masses climb through other people um this evening i'm drinking gone away by one uh my favorite brewery in town half acre brew company we were just talking about you offline we were like that brew house brew pub tap room keep it open on wednesdays mofos (laughs) yeah that was a surprise what get it together that's okay we figured it out so noelle any uh thing that you would like to chittle chattle about nope um I don't think I have anything to apologize for uh, this time, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure there's something. I'm sure there's something. Uh, I'm sure I offended. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize to uh, the Germans again for um, poking fun of your language, which I personally find to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was a joke that probably didn't translate well. So sorry, Germans. Also, as we get started tonight, we want to thank all of our listeners. Um, we are uh, getting close to the end of the year, and mm-hmm. honestly, we've had a, a banner year with this show. We really appreciate it. We see you. Um, we don't... see your stats uh, coming in, and it's it's just really great to, to see people listening, and the fact that we have this awesome international following is really weird and crazy. It is, and it's... So, hi, everyone. Hi, thank you. Lots of people in Israel listening. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what up? Every time I look at that, I'm like, wait, okay. That is pretty cool. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot to do what you and I normally do. What up? What up, Israel? Uh, also, um. Got a big fan base in, uh, Nebraska, it looks like as well. Nebraska? Yeah. Okay. And Connecticut. Huh. Yeah. Well, that one might make sense to me for other things. Um, but if you're not already following us, you can follow us on uh, on the social media. You can follow us on Facebook at High Spirit Chicago Podcast. Okay. Podcast um, on Instagram, High Spirit Chicago, um, which we're, I'm finally figuring out how Instagram works. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> you guys, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, hey, that explore page. Um, Twitter is High Spirit Chicago. And uh, I think finally we, of course, most of the people check us out on SoundCloud, which is High Spirit Chicago Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are on iTunes. Um, this You can rate and review us, too. That would be super helpful if you did that. Mm-hmm. Only the best of ratings, though, please. And thank you. All right. Okay. Well, uh, Noelle, what do you have? Th- by the way, thank you for listening to all that plugging. It's mostly just because um, we're just really happy to have you. And um, we are not good at this, so we constantly forget in our episodes to even say, like, yeah. Like, where you go? Where we, you go? We just like to do this. Yeah. Um, that's all. Yeah. Because uh, as we've said before, we would do this regardless if we didn't have mics and a computer. Yeah, we, we literally were just doing it for about 20 minutes before we were like, oh, we should hit record. We probably could hit record now. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for, us, thanks for joining us. Well, friends, Jay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
Uh, today I'd like to talk to you about the Velisca Axe Murders. The whom and the what now? Oh, you're not familiar? No. Oh. Well, it's one of the um, greatest cold cases of American time. Whoa. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit Where's about Villisca? it. Velisca? Velisca is uh, located in the southwest corner of Iowa. Oh my goodness. It's about 80 miles south of Des Moines. Get it, y'all. Yes. I'm pretty good at unsolved murders, but this is a new guy. Oh, this is a good one. And it's it's come up a lot in the last couple of years because there have been a lot of... Um, there was a movie, so I did some research. Oh, was it like a horror movie? It's a horror movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I, actually, I watched that a while ago, so I didn't need to revisit that one. <laughs> it's still fresh to, in my brain. didn't need to read that movie. Um, and I can't remember the guy who's in it. He's been in a bunch of stuff, though. Uh, Ed Bagley Jr.? Yep. No. Nope. Uh, so there's a movie about it. There's um, uh, the medium and the mook, I think, did an episode there. Oh, my God. They Can I tell you something what? before we get even further into this? Yes. I was... Uh, so I'm, I'm following Amy Allen on Twitter, and I'm hoping to become pals with her. It's a long process. We'll see. Some... I So <clears throat> I was reading an article about her, and it was very disparaging. Oh, no. Yeah, I was up in arms. Why? Well, basically, they were saying, oh, Amy Allen has no special skills. She just says the same things over and over and Lies. over again. And every time she walks into a space, she says the same five things. And I want to be like, motherfucker. Like, what, are, what are the five things? Oh, basically, like, um, uh, Indians were here before. That uh, uh, Somebody's murder. Somebody was murdered. A woman was murdered and it was unreconciled or she, she was treated terribly. Um, that there's a terrible male presence there that doesn't want to give up his land. And like two more things. Uh, the terrible like, male presence thing is a common thing. But the other two, I would strongly dispute. Well, I think And she I've does, watched eight seasons of the show. Here's the deal. I think she does say the, th- the same thing all the time. But he said it in such a disparaging way. Because it, the, the reason I bring this up, this is what, episode 60 or something for us? Yep. Something like that. Like, y'all, ghostesses, it all kind of works out the same way. It's kind of like going into a shrink's office and shrinks are like, you know, people who see me are like dealing with sadness or dealing with like somebody in their family who died or dealing with a broken relationship or they're dealing with low self-esteem. Like, that is period what you are going to get. Right. So the fact that like... Yeah, you're going to hear me say like things later on that are like, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. That's like a regular thing that we talk about. My God. Yeah. My, my episode is like, Oh yeah, these are all things we've heard before, but yep. they take place in a totally different part of the world. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was just like that whoever wrote that about her, a doesn't really know anything about ghosting and B how dare you? How dare you? And C, I Amy think... Allen, what up? Hi Amy Allen. <laughs> Don't anyway. take this away from me, internet. She is the only psychic medium that I truly... Right. We like her. We believe her. Yeah. We trust her. God. Come on. I have read... Th- I ha- I did read an article with her, an interview with her, where they asked about if she subscribes to the um, remedies that she prescribes at the end, where she'll say, oh, sure. find a shaman or find a, a male medium. And she said a lot of times she will kind of go in line with what she believes the people's religious beliefs are because a lot of it's based on like their beliefs and like I see. so she's like some of it absolutely but some of it is more like just kind of it's a psychosomatic thing yeah. so I thought that was interesting I think that's interesting mm-hmm. 
I think people need stuff like that. Yeah. This isn't so bad, the glue wine. Glue? G-L-U-E? Glue. If you're not familiar with glue wine or glit glog, glog, glug, it's the same thing. It's basically a a spiced mulled wine that uh, is brought out at the holiday during the holiday season the glue wine is glu with the umlaut mm. h w e i n is the german version the glu- the glug is the swedish version ah so like simons in chicago and yeah. andersonville they do the glug i got to say this the, the holidays market, bring out the worst in wine cuz people it's not bad why you got to warm it up i i mean i warmed this up on my stove and i, I added an orange they already, it already came bottled, so I didn't have to make my own I for $5. I This is going to hurt me in the morning. That's all I'm saying okay. with all this sugar. I just remember oh. being in a Kindle market on the uh, Champs-Élysées, and they were like, Vin Show or Vin Foie? And I was like, well, it's cold. So Vin, vin Show, which yeah. means hot wine. Right. It's like, why are you going to fuck up wine like that? I don't mind it. Once, a, okay. once, once out of the year, I do it. Dude, you were talking about axe murderers. I got all crazy. Please proceed. Let's start over again. The Velisca Axe Murderers. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying this, and I know a lot of people have have talked about this story, and it's it's uh, there are a lot of books and articles about it. Um, and I I like horror films, and I like things that are macabre, and I think that it's fascinating and interesting. That said, I take no pleasure in telling this story because oh. it's horrible and it hurts me a little bit because it's it's so bad can i ask you a question yeah when did it when did it take place well i'm gonna tell you all these things right now but were you telling me before yeah that's the first line of my notes it occurred between the evening of june 9th 1912 and the early morning of june 10th 1912 okay i have to tell you this you know me i'm a sensitive person and so it's not knowing about this if it hadn't been at least 100 years ago like, let's say if you had said this happened right. in 2012, I would have barfed. No. So this That's happened, all I'm saying. This, because you yeah. can't, like, for someone right now to do, like, a grisly axe murder is, like, right. you are so beyond awful. Right. All right. Let me get through this. Go. Okay. So, on the, um, between the evening of June 9th, 1912, and the early morning of uh, June 12th, or June 10th, I'm sorry, um, in the town of... Villisca, which is, was a small town, about 1,200 people. The six members of the Moore family and two of their house guests were found bludgeoned to death uh, in the Moore residence. All eight victims, including six children, had severe head wounds from uh. an axe. Um, a lengthy investigation yielded several suspects, one of whom was tried twice. Uh, Wait, his... why did they get off? You gotta, you gotta let me get through this. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I'm going to tell you all of these things. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you're reacting, and that's good, because it's very awful. Um, the first trial ended in a hung jury, and the second ended in acquittal. The crime remains unsolved to this day. Um, it's like the O.J. Simpson of Valeska. <laughs> except we know who did that. Um, or do we? <laughs> or do we? Um... <laughs> All right, let me tell you about the Moore Dewey. Okay, keep going. The Moore family. Uh, the parents were Josiah, age 43, and Sarah, age 39. They had um, they had six children. I'm sorry, they had four children. Herman Montgomery, age 11. Mary Catherine, age 10. Arthur Boyd, age 7. And Paul Vernon, age 5. They were an affluent family. 
um, and they were well-known and well-liked in their community. Uh, Josiah owned his own business, and they were very involved in their church. On uh, June 9th, Mary Catherine invited Ina May and Lena Gertrude Stillinger, Ina was 8 and uh, Lena was 12, to spend the night at their house. Um, that evening, the girls and the Moore family attended the Presbyterian Church where they participated in the Children's Day program, which Sarah, the mother, had coordinated. The program ended at 9.30 p.m. Um, then the Moores and the Stillinger sisters, sisters walked to the Moores' house uh, and arrived home between 9.45 and 10 p.m. The next morning at 7 a.m., Mary Peckman, who was their neighbor, uh, becomes concerned because she notices that the Moore family had not come out to do their morning chores. Um, the house, so the, uh, Villisca is a farming community. Sure. So in addition to them, uh, him being a, a business owner, he also had like a small farm. Of course. Yeah. And it's this beautiful, big, like two story farmhouse. Um, so Mary Peckham, who is the clearly local busybody. I mean, in Iowa time, 7 a.m. is like, it's noon. Where are they? Why aren't they up? Yeah, it's different than L.A. where they're like, I noticed about 5 p.m. <laughs> they right. turn on the rock and roll. It's so, like it's 7 a.m. and no one's doing chores. Uh -huh. We see you. That's that's odd. Um, so she knocks on the Moore's door. Nobody answered. She tried to do open it and discovered that the door was locked. Weird for that area. Very weird. Um, she then lets the chickens out and call calls Ross Moore, who is Josiah's brother. On the phone or literally shouts his name? I think she actually phone called him. Okay. I the, didn't know if they had phones. 1912. They, they do because there, later there's a, like a, a thing with a switch operator. Got it. Because um, sometimes small town. I mean, we yeah. had, uh, the world had phones. But yeah. That's when she was like, Gertrude, I'm going to need Pensacola 726. Yeah. Whatever it is. No, that's exactly right. Uh, that means you live on Pensacola Road. Right. At 726. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Ross shows up. He knocks. He shouts. Um, nobody answers. He unlocks the front door because he has a copy of the house key. Um, he Suspect. goes into... Well, he's the brother. Well, you have a copy of the key. You're a suspect. Yeah, I mean... Eh. Um, I'm a criminal. He, I know. I know. Strangely, he was never suspected. Um, he goes into the parlor, um, goes into the guest bedroom door, and he finds Ina and Lena Stillinger's bodies on the bed. Jesus. He then tells um, Peckham to call Hank Horton, who is the uh, peace officer in town. So then Horton comes, he searches the house, and um, finds the entire Moore family and the two Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death. The murder weapon was an axe belonging to Josiah. It was found in the guest room with uh, where the Stillinger sisters were found. Um, so was the other family just scattered about the house? Or I'm, I'm going to get to so, that. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, so the murderer hung aprons and skirts to cover the windows and uh, the mirrors in the house. That is so clever and fucking weird for the time. Yes. Well, there's a lot of things that are very clever. Um they, he, or them, or she... I don't normally do this. You guys can't see me because Noelle's usually the right. object work queen. I have a massive furrowed brow. You do. I'm very upset by this. <laughs> it's a terrible story. I feel like I'm, like, listening to her forensic files. Yeah. It's, I don't... It's terrible. I'm shocked that you don't know this story. No. Um, they, or 
I say they because some people suspect that there were more than one killer. Okay. Um, but Why? for the sake of the story, let's say he. Um, just because of the way that it happened. So like because a whole so many bunch of people, people murdered and no yeah. one's saying anything. Yeah, exactly. Like Amityville. Yep. Okay. Um, he also covered the faces of the victims. Before or after? After. Okay. Uh, doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m. Uh, oh, it took him that long? Well, no, somewhere in between that time. Oh, thank God. Uh, there were two spent cigarettes in the attic, suggesting that the killer or killers patiently waited in the attic until the more family and their guests were asleep. Interesting. Um, so here was the path that the killer or killers took. They began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah Moore were sleeping. Makes sense. Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim. His face had been cut oh. to uh, such an extent that his eyes were missing. Dude. Uh, they believe that he... I, I believe that it was, um, he was hit 30 times or stabbed 30 Shit. times. 30? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, first of all. Well, here's what's interesting. That is so personal. It's very personal. And so. And then second of all, uh, it's very clear they took the parents out first. Right. So that no one could protect those kiddos. Exactly. So here's what's really interesting. I mean, there's so many interesting things about this. The killer used the blade of the axe on Josiah while using the blunt end on the rest of the victims. I can see that. So it was it was almost like it was a personal attack. Like they murdered him, and there had to be there were other people there that had to be taken care of. Yep. Because maybe there were witnesses. Possibly, because but probably not because then the killers went into each of the children's rooms and they bludgeoned Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul in the head in the same manner as their parents. They then returned to the master bedroom to inflict more blows on the elder Moors, knocking over a shoe that had filled with blood. What? Yeah. Because, Wait, because they were on their bed, and so he was probably bleeding, and the shoe was on the ground, and the blood was probably dripping into the shoe. Oh, my God. That house must have been a disaster. Yeah. They finally moved downstairs, the killers. Please tell me no one lives there. You got to let me. Okay. Go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I'm just this, so is hard, this is just I'm hard to get through. really upset right now. Um, finally, the killers moved downstairs to the guest bedroom and killed Ina and Lena. Um, investigators believe... Did they know they were going to be there? I, I don't know that. Okay. Uh, investigators believe that all of the victims except for Lena, Lena had been asleep when they when um, they were murdered. Were they, they drugged? No. There's an interesting theory about how they how they worked that, but I'm going to get to that. Um, they thought that she was awake and tried to fight back as she was found lying crosswise on the bed and oh. with a defensive wound on her oh, arm. Yeah. She was also the only one... Um, How old was she, 12? She was 12. Yeah. Her nightgown was pushed up to her waist, and she was wearing no undergarments. No. So they believe that she was molested or they attempted to rape her. That's so, so here's here here's what sucks about this. Uh, all of it? And why this is probably an unsolved case and will always be an unsolved case. How big was this town? Like 1,200 people. So... Approximately 100 gawkers came to view the site. Oh, they stepped through all the... And police did such a poor job of securing the location because it's a small town. They have minimal crime. They have lack of experience. They don't know what they're doing. So they couldn't... Because of the massive number of onlookers, it prevented them from collecting sufficient evidence. Fingerprinting was still very new at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was hard for them to collect that but at the same time there was really no there were no fingerprints they thought that the killer wore gloves 
Um, there's a there's a story out there. Uh, there's a a professor from Luther College in in Decorah, Iowa, um, where I spent two years of my collegiate life. What up, Luther? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't remember his first name. His last name is Epperly. He um has been studying this for fifty years, and he heard, he tells a story about um a local pool room operator that walked away with part of Josiah's skull as like a trophy, or first like all, a, or like not a trophy, but like what's a souvenir. A pool room? Like where you play pool. Oh, like a pool hall. Yeah, like a pool hall. Literally walked away. With part of his skull. It's like what a, a souvenir. weirdo. Not a suspect? No. Who he was just right an onlooker. Would look down at somebody who'd been right. axed in the face 30 times and go, you know what I want? Part of that. Right. It's messed up. Dude. I mean, if if it's... not if not suspect, total fucking weirdo and should have been watched. Right. So... The the town of Villisca is on a train line, and so sure. uh, there are trains that are constantly going through, like freight trains. Uh-huh. So the, one of the theories is that they um, they killed them in between train whistles because the house was so close to the train tracks, and that's why nobody woke up and heard the murders because the train comes through. There's a whistle. Whack, whack, whack. Next one. I mean... That's a theory. I would I would take that. My my parents live in, in not such a small town, but there's a train whistle that happens twice at night. Mm-hmm. But it seems... It's, it seems it's, like an awful lot of people to kill. Yeah, it's interesting. As those train whistles are going through. It's right. interesting. I, it's what interesting. I thought you were going to say is that it's a train town, so they thought that the murderer came by train and left by train. Well, we're getting there. Which I do not agree with. Well, we're getting there. Okay. Um, there was another thing. Uh, <laughs> Based on absolutely nothing, I do not agree with it. Um, there were gouge marks across bedroom ceilings from the upswing of the axe. So that revealed something about the killer's height, and it actually exonerated somebody who was a short suspect. How high were the ceilings? High. I don't know. I mean, high enough that it exonerated this guy. Okay. Um, the marks were, the weird thing is that the marks were in the center of the room, not above the victim's bed. So it's thought that the killer was like whirlwinding the ax at one, in like a one handed frenzy. So that's crazy. Sorry. So I know Noel's usually the one with the object work. I'm literally talk thinking about, about this and like, it's terrible. <laughs> putting my tongue over my lips. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, but we'll come back to it. Keep going. No, I mean, it's, it's, this it's, it's, is, it's, we it, don't have it, to it, do the game. Um, what was the game we were going to get? Hunt a killer. We don't have to do that. I'm doing no. It now. So let's talk about the investigation. I'm solving this 40 minutes from now. Well, this is solved. I'm pretty sure that we can figure out who did it tonight. Uh, let's talk about the investigation. There were, as I said before, there were several, um, several suspects. Okay. Um, our first suspect is a man by the name of Andrew Sawyer or Andy Sawyer. He was a transient. Nope. Hence the train traveling. Yep. Um, there was no real evidence linked to him for the crime, but his name came up often in grand jury testimonies. And this is why, um, according to a man by the name of Thomas Dyer, who, uh, was a bridge foreman, foreman and pile driver for the Burlington railroad. Um, Andy Sawyer approached his crew in Creston, Iowa at 6am on the morning of the murders. Um, Sawyer was clean shaven and wearing a brown suit. When he arrived, his shoes were covered in mud and his pants were wet nearly to the knees. He asked for employment and as uh, Dyer needed an extra man. So he gave him a job on the spot. 
Uh, Dyer testified that later... Wait, do you mean the morning before the murders or the morning after the The morning after the morning. So, like, if the murder happened between midnight midnight and five... five, He's there at six. He's there at six. So, the same day. Um, Dyer testified later that evening when the crew reached uh, Fontenelle, Iowa. And I'm assuming... I don't. I didn't look at a map, and we all know how I am with geography. So I'm just trusting <laughs> that uh, these Fontenelle and Creston and uh, are all kind of relatively close to Villisca. Um, they reached Fontenelle, Iowa, and Sawyer purchased a newspaper and went off by himself to read it. Um, the newspaper carried a front page account of the murders, and. Um, they all claim that Sawyer was very interested in the case and the story. So, okay, well, first of all, who wouldn't be? Right. Two, I find it very hard to believe that a transient at that time could well, what's read the, or would find the energy having murdered people for five hours to show up and try to well, get a job. Well, it's, it's right. Did he, he rob the house? No. No. And were we supposed to believe that he's wet from the knee down with blood? I don't know. I think they were just kind of trying to like piece together things. And That's so of course warfare. he was, well, no, he was, he was I'm fucking being shady. And so like, they were like, you know, it's just like connecting the dots. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got it. I mean, he did weird things like, well, uh, he doesn't have a he, house. He doesn't have a home. He right, doesn't have a family. Right. So he did things like he slept with his clothes on. He was anxious to be by himself. Um, he also slept with an ax next to him. Oh, so, Bury the lead there. Yeah. <laughs> you got to let me get through my notes, man. I'm sorry. Um, no, Wait, I'll stop fucking talking. No, you're good. Time it. I won't talk for three minutes. Lies. Uh, he he talked about the murders often um, and asked whether a killer had been apprehended. Uh, he told Dyer that he had been in Villisca that Sunday night and had heard of the murders. Um, but then he was afraid of being, he realized he was talking too much and afraid of being a, su- a suspect. He left and went to Creston, which again, I, I tr- assume is nearby. Um, Dyer then turned Sawyer into the sheriff on June 18th, 1912. Um, he later testified that prior to the sheriff's arrival, he walked up behind Sawyer who was rubbing his ha- head with both hands and suddenly jumped up and said to himself, I will cut your goddamn heads off. Jesus. At the same time, he made a striking motion with the axe and began hitting piles in front of him. So, I mean, he was clearly unstable. unstable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dyer's son. Did J- he know uh, the Moors? No. So no. this is why. Well, keep going. Yeah. Oh, I told you three minutes. It's only been a minute. That's okay. Because <laughs> this has to be someone who knows them. Possibly. Uh, Dyer's son, J.R., testified that one day as the crew drove through Villisca, Sawyer told him he would show J.R. where the man who killed the Moore family got out of town. He said the man that did the job jumped over a manure box, which he pointed out about one and a half blocks away, and then showed where he crossed the railroad tracks. Um, J.R. said that there were footprints in the soggy ground north of the embankment. Sawyer also told J.R. to look on the other side of the car and said he would show him an old tree where the murderer stepped in, into the creek. Um, according to J.R. Dyer, Dyer, he looked over and saw such a tree south of the track about four blocks away. Um, Did Sawyer but, have mental dif- differences? That I don't know. 
Oh, sorry. Technical difficulties. Sorry, guys. Um, doesn't it seem very odd that he would give all that information away if he was trying to get away with it? It's this? it's very odd. And I and he was he was dismissed as a sub a suspect because um, he had a solid alibi. Uh, <laughs> he had been in Osceola, Iowa, on the night of the murders. Um, he had been arrested for vagrancy there and the Osceola sheriff recalled putting him on a train to send him away at approximately 11 PM that evening. So he couldn't have been there. So I think he just was a little funny in the head and I, which is probably not a PC term, but he was not mentally well. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, maybe he was lurking around over there and he made those marks and he was just, it would explain like his wet pants, his, yeah, Maddie. or maybe he saw it and then yeah. didn't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. It just seems really weird. It's not a modus operandi for somebody who is as clever to cover up mirrors and faces and it's, it's to do the work that you described right. to be this dumb. Yeah, agreed. And dumb is not the PC thing to say, and I apologize for it. Eh. <laughs> dumb. All right, number two, the Reverend George Kelly. The one they did the children's show for? Yep. So... Uh, he totally did it. George Kelly was an English-born traveling minister, um, and he was in town on the night of the murders. He was described uh, by folks as being a pe- peculiar, yeah, or as being peculiar. He reportedly suffered from a mental breakdown and as an adolescent, which is intense. Um, as an adult, he was accused of peeping and several times asking young women and <sighs> girls to pose nude for him. What? This Man of the, the cloth. Mo- this is their... Minister? Well, he's a traveling he's a traveling minister. Because he probably can't, because of his behaviors, he probably can't get residency somewhere. Oh, so he's not the guy, he's not the actual church guy. He's just a minister who lives in town? He's a traveling minister. No, but what I mean is they did the church pageant, so he's not the actual clergyman. Right. right. He's just some dude who lives in town who's a minister. He doesn't live in town. He travels. He's like a traveling salesman, but a minister. Okay. He just bounces around. Was he at the school? So he was at, he came to town specifically for the Children's Day services. Fucking Jesus. So he uh, left town between 5 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. on June 10th, 1912, hours before the bodies were discovered. Um, In the weeks that followed, he also displayed a fascination with the case and wrote many letters to the police, investigators, and family of the deceased. Um, Of course, this aroused suspicion, and a private investigator wrote back asking for details that the minister might know about the murders. Kelly Kelly replied with great detail, claiming to have heard sounds and possibly witnessed the murders. Uh, His known mental illness made authorities question whether he knew the details because of having whether he knew the details because of having committed the murders or was imagining his account. Um, in 1914, so two years after the murder, he was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. <laughs> God, no. He, uh, he was sexually harassing a woman who applied for a job as a secretary. Um, you know, it's a good thing that stuff like that doesn't happen anymore. Nope. Yep. We've cleaned up our act. <sighs> we have. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Imagine in 1914 what, quote, unquote, sexual harassment would. Like how <laughs> bad it how had bad to have been. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Uh, he was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, a national mental hospital in Washington, D.C. Um, in 1917, he was arrested for the murders. Police, oh. police actually obtained a confession from him, but 
uh, they only did so after many hours of interrogation when he finally just like broke down. down. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he later recanted. Uh, He was the one who went through two different trials. The first one was a hung jury. The second one, he was acquitted. Our third candidate. Well, he definitely did not do it. No, he did not. Our third candidate is Frank Fernando Jones. Oh, he's got a foreign problem. Yeah, well. I love that all of these are, like, very early, like. Well, Frank was actually, uh, he was a resident of Villisca, and he was an Iowa State senator. Where did so, Ferdinand come from? Fernando? I don't know. Fernando? I don't know. Oh. I thought um, we were playing to all the, like, fears of early, like, nope. like 20th century Americans. No, he actually went as Frank. Wait, a senator was accused of this? He, went, he actually went as Frank F. Jones. Well, listen to this. Frank uh, had it out for Josiah. Josiah had worked for Frank for seven years at his implement store. Um, he worked there until he, Josiah left. Is it like a hardware store? I think, yeah, I think it's kind of like a general, I don't, I don't really know. Um, Josiah left to actually open his own store, um, which took business away from Jones, including a very successful John Deere dealership. So I don't know what that means. Like as far as like the implement store and what, I don't know. Um, so the, uh, Frank Jones, was very offended by this and uh, took it very personally, obviously. Um, Moore was also rumored to have had a sexual affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, uh, though, uh. but there was no evidence to support this. Um, Frank, Frank Jones also had a solid alibi um, and he was 57 at the time. So people did not believe that he was in any type of physical condition to wield an ax and murder all of these people. Okay. But what, what one theory is that Senator Jones hired a man by the name of William Blackie Mansfield to murder the Moore family. Uh, Blackie Mansfield was a serial killer, was believed to be, uh, have been a serial killer because he murdered his wife, infant child, father, and mother-in-law with an ax two years after the Villisca crimes. Uh, he's also believed to have committed ax murders in Paolo, Kansas, four days before the Villisca crimes. He was also a suspect in a double hum- the double homicide of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Illinois. Um, each of these sites were accessible by train, and all of the murders were carried out in virtually the same manner. Huh. However, <clears throat> he was released after a special grand jury of Montgomery County refused to indict him on the grounds that his alibi checked out his alibi. He his alibi was a payroll record that he was paid easily faked. Possibly. What's his name? His name is William Blackie Mansfield. Blackie Mansfield probably did this probably gun for hire. Keep going. Possibly. Okay. Um, now from what I've seen so far, forensic files, Noel Schmidt, I am coming to my own conclusions. Okay. Uh, now nine months before the murders, there was a very similar case, um, that occurred in Colorado Springs. Uh, there, uh, HC Wayne, his wife and child and Mrs. AJ Burnham were found dead in, uh, Colorado Springs murdered by axes. The Colorado Springs police found it difficult to believe that the same person could perpetuate a similar crime in a city, which makes me crazy. Um, <laughs> so dumb. 
They're, oh, boy. So they okay. didn't really pursue mm-hmm. anything. Um, same thing again. Bed sheets were used to cover the windows uh, to prevent passersby <gasps> from looking in, and blood was wiped off the axe, and uh, the heads were covered um, with bedclothes. Dude, that's the same person. Yeah, dude. There were other axe murderers also occurring at the same time. All on the train lines in so the wait same a area. What the shit was the, was more up to because he is not like Mr. Moore, meek and mild. He's clearly up to something. Well, we don't know. I mean, it's I I I I do I I'm going to share my theory when I'm done with okay. all this. So the other axe murderers that were <laughs> happening again all on train lines, Ellsworth, Kansas, Paolo, Kansas. Um, there were numerous unsolved axe murders along the Southern Pacific Railroad from 1911 to 1912, and of course. The Axemen of New Orleans was also happening. I knew you were about to do that. You looked at me in such a way you're like, I'm saying it. Axemen of New Orleans. So it's in all of these cases were very similar where the windows were covered. The victims faces uh, were covered. And another thing that happened was that there was an oil lamp that was left at the foot of one of the beds. Four. Two. So in the in the case, in the Moore case, the oil lamp was left at the foot of Lena Stillinger's bed, and it's believed that it was left there to illuminate her body. Why? Because that was the one. I don't know why. I mean, I I, I don't know no, why. No, no, I know you're not the killer. But I you're too old. I'm assuming <laughs> I'm I'm too old, and I can't wield an axe. Um, you just haven't tried hard enough. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> uh, you're too tall. <laughs> probably that too. I um, think it was because she was the one who was violated, sexually molested. And I think it was almost like I putting see. her on display. I get That's it. my theory. I don't like it, but I No, get it's it. terrible. So um, Mansfield was also the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City. Uh, Detective James Newton Wilkerson suggested that he was a cocaine addicted serial killer. Who? Uh, Mansfield, black Mansfield. Um, according to Wilkerson, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner. Like I just said, uh, he, he stated that he could prove that Mansfield was present in each of the differing crime scenes. Um, they were hacked to death with an axe. All the mirrors in the home were covered. The burning lamp was on display. Oh, I forgot about this. The chimney was off. Um, and the, a basin, um, in which the murderer washed his hands and washed up was always found in the kitchen. Um, in each case, the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves, um, which Wilkerson believed was strong evidence that it was Mansfield because he knew his fingerprints were on file at the federal military prison in, in Leavenworth. Um, Wilkerson was able to convince a grand jury to open an investigation in 1916 and Mansfield was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from, from Kansas city. Um, but as I stated before, payroll records proved, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the same time. He was released (coughs) for lack of evidence and later won a lawsuit, um, against Wilkerson and he was awarded $2,225. Uh, Wilkerson believed that the pressure from Jones, um, resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. You'll remember our good friend, Frank Jones, Jones, the Senator, the Senator. Um, now there's a man by the name of RH Thorpe, who was a restaurant owner from Shenandoah, Iowa. He identified Mansfield as the man he saw the morning of 
uh, morning after the Velisca murder, mur- ugh, after the, you got this, the morning after the Velisca murders, Yay! boarding a train to Clarinda. Don't know where that is. Uh, he said that the man he saw walked from Velisca, um, and he was going to testify this, but it was too late. Um, there's also a woman, Mrs. Vina Tompkins of Marshalltown. Um, she was going to testify that she had heard three men in the woods plotting the murder of Moore, the Moore family a short time before the killings. So this is a pretty strong theory that Jones had, this was a murder for hire by Frank Jones. Um, but there's more, uh, Henry Lee Moore, um, who is not related to the Moores, no relation, uh, was also a suspect. He was also a drifter. Um, he had been released from a Kansas, Kansas reformatory shortly before the murders. Um, he is also a suspected serial killer who was convinced of the murder of God, man, what's happened? I don't know. Uh, convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several months after the murders in Villisca, his weapon of choice, an ax. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, not to sound crazy, but remember when I was like in, in 2017, it's disgusting to kill with an ax. Right. In 1912, lots of murders were happening with axes. Right. But here's what, here's what I would like to say about it. Like right now it's like, everybody is thinking like, Oh my God, what psychos with their axes. But like, you know, it was really only ex-military men that had their weapons, meaning guns. Right. Only fairly wealthy people could buy guns. There wasn't a robust gun. Yeah, it's a good point. And, like, you know, you had to I mean, chop... Blood instruments and knives and axes were the, right. you know... No, it's a really good weapon point. ...weapon of choice for killers in the early 1900s. Well, you had to you had to chop your own wood. Yep. And you, you had to have an, an axe available, so it was readily available. Everyone probably had one in their home. So, yeah, that's a really valid point. Yeah, it's like saying the knife men of Chicago. It's like... <laughs> right. It's pretty much all of them. Yeah, true. Anyway, keep going. I just wanted to... No, 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 that's a really good point. Um, so Henry Lee Moore uh, was also a suspect for all of the axe-killing murder sprees. And, the, and again, like, I, I think your point is... Your point is well taken, and I agree with you, but I think the big thing with all of these was that they were all committed within a short period of time and well, the, solemn, the uh, similarities of like it's it's just too close of like mirrors covered right heads covered those 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 types of behaviors are the interesting behaviors not the actual murder weapon yeah so henry lee moore was never um never convicted, never arrested for the Moore family. He, he of course was, um, indicted and convicted for the murder of his mother and grandmother. The difference here is that his, this murder was out of greed. Like he was trying to get an inheritance. Yep. Um, and I was waiting for you and I'm going to wait five minutes. Cause my big, my big problem, my big issue so far is motive. Right. So that was his big thing here was that it was based on greed. Um, but he was also like known as being an unsavory character, a little odd, a little off. Um, he spent most of his life in and out of jail. Um, so he was a good, he was a good suspect for them to have. He, um, ended up being sentenced to life. He served 36 years of his life sentence before being commuted 
and then spent the rest of his days working at a Salvation Army. Ugh. There's no report of, like, when he died. Um, I'm assuming he is now dead. I'm assuming um, he's the one outside my Walgreens. Probably. That every time they ask me for money, I just sort of, like, like do that squinty thing with my eyes. Because it's like, I can't give you money. You guys hate homosexuals. Yeah. Because you're awful. But then also it's like, here's what I hate about the Salvation Army. They make po- very poor people stand outside ringing a bell in the freezing cold. And they're like, just a quarter, just a quarter. And I'm like, I've got that. Right. But, like, reverse your stance on gay people, dickwads. Yeah. Everyone's evolved. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> I know when people are around Christmas time, they're like, should we give something to Salvation Army? I'm like, no. Period. Here's a list of all of the other charities that you can give to. All right. Our final. <laughs> let me roll up my list. Yep. Our final candidate for suspect of the Moore family murders, Sam Moyer. Um... At the inquest, it was reported that Sam Moyer, who's Josiah's brother-in-law, often to threaten to kill Josiah Moore. No idea why. Um, he just didn't like him, I guess. I don't like the cut of your jib. Huh. Um, upon further investigation, Moyer's alibi cleared him off of the crime. So, my theory is that Frank Jones hired Blackie, uh, what's his face? Blackie Mansfield or Henry Lee Miller or I'm sorry, Henry Lee Moore, uh, to commit this crime. I think one of them could have easily been a a murder for hire. Um, but I definitely think that Frank Jones was involved. Um, I just don't know which man it is. I think Mansfield makes the most sense. Um, but that's my personal theory. A lot of people actually believe that Henry Lee Moore was the one that did it. Like, that's the popular theory, and that he got away with murder. I mean, somebody somebody got away with murder. Yeah. Um, so let me tell you about the house now. Uh, since the murder... Well, I'm sure it's totally fine. It's a beautiful two-story... Uh, Incorrect. Uh, ...farmhouse in Iowa that you could buy for 250000 Incorrect. Whoops. Inaccurate. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Remax. I guess I have to give back my real estate license. Inaccurate. So, no, there were many uh, owners and tenants throughout the years. And then in 1994... I'm going to pause you right there. Yeah. Why? Keep going. Because it was probably cheap. And it's a farm... No. Nope. Uh, You do not live. You do not put your body where eight people have been murdered brutally by an axe. Thank you. The end. This is small town Iowa. Girl, it's called a teardown. Slipping... When I lived in Lakeview, (laughs) like every other... Apartment building that was just fine was a teardown. See, and this is where your liberal elitism gets the best of you. Are you sh- <laughs> all right? <laughs> no, but 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 let's be serious about it. This is small town Iowa. It's a farming community. Uh, it you know it probably a lot of somebody probably bought the house and then rented it out to whoever like at a low price, so it was cheap living. If you like to live around ghosts. Yeah. So. Which I don't, but let's talk about it. Okay. So, in 1994, a couple by the name of Darwin and Martha Lynn were approached approached to buy the house. Darwin and Martha Lynn. Martha Lynn. Martha Lynn is the last name. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Now, the couple already had owned the Olson Lynn Museum 
in Villisca's town square. Okay. Um, so they thought that this would be an opportunity to preserve the town's history. No. Now, in 1994, the house was falling apart, and if they weren't going to buy it, um, it was it was going to be a teardown. It should have been. Uh, so they were able to obtain the necessary funds to restore the house, and what they did... Is they gave it the Lizzie Borden treatment? Yeah. They sure. got old pictures, and they basically restored it to what... They thought the house Darwin, to the re- originally be. In 1998, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places. You want to hear some ghost stuff? No. Okay. Um, no, I'm kidding. Of course I do, but I also want to solve this crime. Well, the first paranormal investigators visited the house in 1999 and claimed to be able to reveal the killer. Who? They did not. Assholes. Yeah. Um... A person by the name of Pat Busson, Busson of Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh, Waukesha. That's in my neck of the woods. That is your woods. Um, exper- er, took several EVPs, and one of them he asked the more For children. those of you who don't know, turn it off. For those of you who do know, just a reminder, that's electronic voice phenomena. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I listen to a lot of EVPs at this house today. A lot. By the way, I love how we, like, actually was talking to someone who listens to the program and how, like, they actually referenced how we say things and we never explain what the fuck they are. Every once in a while, we will. But, yeah, we're not good at that. We just kind of keep rolling. Yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm like, yeah, I'm just using my ghost vocab. I think it's good that we, you know, trust that everybody speaks this language. Yeah. But we probably, yeah, good point. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, the one person listening to the show that doesn't know anything. Oh, man. Ouch. You're going to have some apologizing to do next time. I don't know. No. Okay. All right. So I listened to a lot of EVPs of kids talking, of oh, ghost no. kid ch- voices today. So You must have freaked out. You don't like ghost kids. I don't. And I don't believe I'll sleep well again tonight. So that's fine. What were they saying? Um, one was, she's, one was, um, do it again, Lena. One was... Oh, what does that mean? He's going to get us. One was something... Like, the guy who was doing it, his name was Paul. Um, So there was something with... Something, something, Paul. It was very, like... They're they're really good EVPs. Like, really clear if they weren't fabricated. But I'm trusting that the fine people of PRISM would not do that to me. Also, Ursula Bielski was part of this... (gasps) ghost hunt shalomala hello i was like oh look at her like i'm paging through the site and i'm like there she is what up biatch how you be uh okay um at one point uh pat Busen asked the more children and lena and ina to turn his flashlight on and off when he asked and they did um he said these events occurred in the blue room um i'm gonna save i'm gonna save this one for the the last part, because you're going to shit your pants. I doubt it. No, you will. I'm a um, lady and I don't defecate. <laughs> it's a figure of speech. Oh. Uh, other things that... I'm a lady, so I don't do figures of speech. Other things that uh, occur... <laughs> I'm just going to keep rolling. <laughs> other things that have people have experienced in the house is a feeling of heaviness near the main stairwell. You think? Um, <laughs> I mean, the... The resonant energy in this home must just uh, be... Okay, wait, hold on. Like, before you do awful. this, let me say, Like, people walk in, they feel, like, really ooky and weird. Their hair, their hair stands up on their neck. They go to the main bedroom where the man was 
whacked 30 times in the face and they right. feel like, um, like really sad and they feel like they want to throw up and they immediately flee the house. Yeah. I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want to explain what resonant energy is? Because so we don't just <clears throat> gloss over that or do you want oh, me to? No, go ahead. Cause you're, you're better at that one. Like that's oh, your jam. Uh, yeah, it is my jam. Um, so the idea behind resonant energy is that, um, when, uh, in this case for ghosts, I will say in this case, uh, a series of traumatic and um, horrible events uh, happened just before someone died and they have left um, this energy in the space that is palpable to living human beings. Yep. It's like an imprint. It's an imprint. Yes. Yeah. Um, imagine uh, like a handprint mm-hmm. uh, in the dimension in which we live. It's here's a really great example. They just poured a uh, concrete in a new like a uh, sidewalk in front of my office and some schmuck walked through it and left two <laughs> giant size 12 footprints in the concrete. It's like that. Yep. Like it's going to always be there. And also I said it in a negative way <clears throat> prior to this, because obviously this is what people feel. But if you have been on the uh, uh, good end of resonant energy, there are some places you walk into and they feel awesome. Yeah. And you're just like, this place seems cool. And you're not necessarily sure why. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, resonant energy can play with the emotional mm-hmm. uh, threshold of any human being. But in this case, yeah, that house must make people feel like shit. Yeah. It's, I, it, it can't feel I'd probably good. walk in and like cry and then puke and then leave. Yeah, it can't feel good. Okay, other things that have been reported. And report- then I would solve the crime. We already know who did it. One oh. of those guys. Oh. <laughs> One of those guys, oh. or not. Um, the movie, I can't remember, like, Axe Murder or Villisca or something like that, has a different theory, and it's more demonic. Um, I'm not giving <laughs> anything away. Or am I? Anyway, uh, other things are reports of a strange change in appearance in the upstairs bedroom at night. That's just the sun going down. Yeah, what? <laughs> um, what does that of mean? Of course, there are the sounds of children's voices all throughout the house. Of course. Um, there are orbs and light trails. Okay. At 2 a.m., a train goes through Villisca, um, and it's thought that the train actually triggers residual events. Huh. So, um, I mean, I would say this, you're close to the witching hour, so I can see where people yeah, get yeah. into their minds, but nah. right. Um, many have noticed a light fog when this, this is when the train goes through many notice a light fog in the master bedroom. When the train whistle is first heard, the fog moves, uh, from room to room like the killers did. Mm-hmm. And once it dissipates, it is followed by the sound of dripping blood. No. Um, Tours have... Well, don't worry. We'll get to the tours. Uh, oh, no. There yeah. Tour, of course there are tours. Tours have been cut short by falling lamps, moving objects, banging sounds, and child child's laughter. Uh, psychics have claimed to have been able to communicate with the dead there. A lot of p- people believe that the activity is actually within the walls. What? Yeah. Which is w- really weird. Explain Superplay. I, I, so there was, there was something that I read where. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking it's just a question of wiring, wiring, wiring or squirrels. Yeah. Um, there was. A Their th- EMF must go off the charts. It's all <laughs> fucked up and poorly done. There was a thing about when they were like redoing the house and something about like tearing down like 
wallpaper and how that like released all this energy. So I'm not entirely sure what that means, or maybe I just read it wrong. I don't know. Um, However, many people who have lived in the house over the years claim that they haven't experienced anything. But the counter to that is that uh, some people believe that the renovations and frequent visitors have stirred something up and caused like this activity. Now, that is, that is the thing. This is the most interesting thing that has happened in this house since then. (laughs) A man by the name of Robert Larson, look, Robert Larson Jr. He is a 37 year old paranormal investigator from Rhinelander, Wisconsin. I don't know why all these people are freaking from Wisconsin. Because uh, people are sensitive. He, uh, well, is up there, so they've got a lot of time. I like that you know where your geography is, but anybody else is there, like... I know... Like, oh, Rhinelander <laughs> is really... It's, it's a very... It's very far away. It's because when I was in fifth grade, <laughs> and I, I don't know if this is still true in Wisconsin, but it was at the time, fifth grade, your history was... Or social studies was specifically about Wisconsin and we had to know where everything in the state was and we had to know how to pronounce all of the names of towns. So I can say Oconomowoc, Wauwatosa, Waukesha, Manaqua, Okachi, Lake Okachi. Sorry, that was really annoying to people. I know how to say So I can say all of those things. Not that that's important, but that's how I know where Rhinelander is. Also, Rhinelander is also like a summer destination spot for a lot of people who live in the south of Wisconsin. Who can't afford O'Connor. They like to go water skiing and water skiing. And that's they like to go water skiing and water skiing. And water skiing. I, that's really big up there, I guess. And uh um I think that's probably just fishing. made a dig about Door County and Rhinelander. I was just kidding. I have no idea what it means. They're different places. Totally different. I know. I don't know if you heard me make a dick. I, I missed like, it. Yeah. So, All right. Okay. It was just a joke. I so, totally so this no dude, he was there with a group of people for a recreational paranormal activity. Um, he stabbed himself in the chest. What? Uh, what? <laughs> with what? A knife. Where? In the chest. No. Oh, he was allegedly alone in the north bedroom while everyone else was outside. And he called- and he took a real life fucking knife and put it in his chest. Yeah. Did anyone tell that dipshit it had nothing to do with knives and no one was hit in the chest? Well, no. I don't know. He called for help on their two-way radios and um, at approximately 12.45 a.m., uh, the police were were notified and uh, called for... The, they were called in to assist. Um, interestingly, 12.45 a.m. is thought to be approximately the time when the murders took place. First of all, nine. That whole thing is horseshit. I so can't. this guy was in critical condition. They don't know why he stabbed himself. Also, to stab yourself in the chest is hard Crazy. to do. Hard to do. Like, what's his face? Elliot Smith, like, had to, like, fall onto the knife, right? Oh, Elliot Smith. Why? Noel? Well, I'm just saying, like, that's the only guy I know that stabbed himself. <sighs> and I don't even know him. I just Juliet stabbed herself? It's it's the the force that you. It's a play. It's a play. It's not real. The for for a fourteen year old girl to actually do that. No, but the force that you have to like. No, 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 but like, what a weirdo fucking thing to go through the chest for. Like the breast. There was one guy who was axed in the face, and the rest of them were bludgeoned with a handle. So that seems like a very bizarre thing 
for a person it's very, to it, do. It's, it has nothing to do with the murders at hand. It has to do with a... It's very bizarre, and it's they nobody knows why what happened and why he did it. Uh, he was in critical condition and flown to Omaha for treatment, which was about 80 miles away. Um, and uh, he survived, and that's all we know. <laughs> and he never spoke of it again. Like, they won't talk about it. I tried to find everything I could about this. And every article, everything was like, why did this man do this? And then they tell the history of the house. And then it doesn't have to do the house. That dude's a fucking. And then it goes to Robert survived and no one will talk about it ever again. So. Well, I guess Robert's embarrassed. I mean, I would be too. I would be too. All right. Now, I mean, it's possible that he might've had like a knife on him and he tripped and fell on it. I actually know of a case where someone recent, someone recently like that happened to them in real life and they died. Huh. So. Well. It's possible. Um, careful, everybody. If you are looking to visit the Velisca uh, Axe Murder House. No. You shouldn't. But you can. But you shouldn't. Yeah. Because. You're stirring up you're awful stirring, shit, dude. This is a horrible, horrible thing that happened. And we need to, like respect the dead and we need to uh, let these people be at peace. And we also need to respect the people who live in this town because they aren't into it and they think it's disrespectful. I agree. It's not a tourist town. I agree. They, they don't, they don't want you. It's still 1200 people. It's, I think it's a little bit more than that now, but it's still very small. It's very remote. Like there's just nothing there. Nothing around. Like, Des Moines 80 miles, Omaha's 80 miles. So it's like, uh, if I were to say Hubertus, you'd be like, yeah, it's like that. No, because Hubertus is, like, still only 20 minutes from Milwaukee. Like, this is far. Oh. Yeah, it's out there. So it's remote. It's still a farming community. So, however, if you're still, like, I must go, here's what you need to do. You just show up on a Tuesday through Sunday between the hours of 1 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. with $10 cash only. And an axe. And they will give you a tour. Um, you also are welcome to book an overnight stay, which costs $428 <gasps> for groups of one to six, and then it's $75 for each additional person. You should be warned, it's not a bed and breakfast. You have to provide for yourself. It's basically an Airbnb. But again... If you go, wait. They don't be have respectful. like covers and shit on the beds or whatever, or they like they don't clean it up for you. I, no, they clean it up for you. But she's like, I'm not making food. Martha's like, I won't make food for you. Oh, who cares? I don't want to eat their fucking food. But like, she cleans the room, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Because listen, if, if I'm gonna wake up with blood streaming down my wall, which I have done, you know what? Like, give me some nice sheets and a pillow. I don't. I actually don't know that you can sleep in the beds. I because I read something that it's in, and I didn't actually go into their site to you like sleep on the floor because they encourage you to bring sleeping bags and pillows. Bullshit. For because four hundred twenty-five pounds. But but think of it this way too. Most of the people that are doing overnight stays are paranormal investigators and they want something to happen. So they're going to stay up and they're going to have their cameras oh, and their EVPs. Yeah. So they're not looking to sleep. Well, I get it, but you can, uh, we've said this so many times. 
You can do all of that during the day, boo. Yeah. So here's the only difference between. We have to do it one more time. Um, human beings are diurnal. So during the day, we are completely focused. We see everything. We're like at the top of our game, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You, can ne- you can negotiate a $425 hotel room down to $350 without blinking. Suddenly, though, in the middle of the night with all the lights off, with the um, legend and the facts of uh, murder and hauntings, people, 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 all people who are in that situation lose their mind. They think they see ghosts where there are not right. ghosts. They're, right. they're, they're suddenly seeing shadows become beasts and mm-hmm. um, shadow beasts become Satan and mm-hmm. a bouncing ball from another room becomes some communication from a far off realm. It is fascinating. Uh-huh. So it's, this is what pisses me off about these people because I feel like they know this and if they don't, then God, good on them. It's $10 during the day to take the tour and $425 a night to sleep there. 428 And not sleep there. Not it's sleep. Just like watch for Listen, the ghostesses of eight people who got murdered. It's not cool. I personally am a big fan of sleep. Um, Dude, I love sleep. It's the best. I'm hunting ghosts only during the day from now on. I need it and I want to do it at night. That's all. So again, <laughs> if, I've actually been going through a really horrible bout of insomnia for the no, last week. You and I have been insomniacs our whole life. It, but it's like real bad. And uh, I slept for the first time last night and this morning was unbelievable. Yeah. And then I drank so much coffee today, so I'm probably not sleeping again tonight. And I only did this to myself. Um, it's my fault. Anyway, so again, like if you go that's fine. No judgment. Cause we're all fascinated in things and we all have our, you know, thing that we like to do, but please be respectful of the dead. And please, please, please be respectful of the people who live in that town because that's their home and be a good guest. That's all I ask. And yo, we're going to do, we have to, <clears throat> I would like to do a follow up episode. This is the first I've heard of this, but, um, this murder, there's, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, and I don't... Which I now know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to say is, like, like uh, given all these particular facts, I am sincerely unconvinced, and I would like to know more. Okay. Jay Stagman's on the case. Yep. And by the way... I am Jay Seigman, girl detective, and I'm going to fucking figure this out. <laughs> Never heard of you. What's her name? The Moors. No, Vasilka. Veliska. Never heard of you, Veliska, but I'm solving this crime because, listen, someone has to. Yeah. And if you want to read up more about it, um, I, I actually, for the first time, didn't do like a pop culture list, but there are uh, several books about it. There's a movie about it. There are a bunch of documentaries. There's a ton of articles. Uh, there's a really good one on Vice. Um, the Wikipedia page is actually uh, pretty thorough and good too. Um, uh, the other, another site, and I don't plug this site enough and I should, um, where I do a lot of research is called prairieghosts.com, which is a, he's a paranormal investigator as well. And he just like does, he's written a couple books, I believe. Um, 
and he does like write outs write ups on like various like haunted houses and stuff and he it like he does really good work and I really like his stuff so check him out too prairieghosts.com so yeah so that is the uh the awful terrible story of the Velisca axe murderers oh, well Noel you done did it uh ladies and gentlemen <laughs> sorry <laughs> No, 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 thank you. It's terrible. No, this was a, a, a nice intellectual exercise, and I probably won't be able to sleep tonight either, because I, I do not feel that justice has been served. Absolutely not. Anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. This is a show I host with my friend... <gasps> Noel Schmidt. Um, and we are sponsored by alcohol companies. Noel, you're drinking some weird Christmas shit. I'm drinking some St. Christopher. Oh, nope. Not even going to try that. St. Christopher glue wine. Great. Glue. I'm drinking, uh, gone away by half acre. Um, we really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. Um, we really could not do this without you. So come visit, visit us on the social. Uh, leaving you with one last terrible, disgusting, revolting thought is my friend Noelle, and she has this to say. Sweet dreams.